You share the gospel. The person responds and gets saved. They pray, whether it be your neighbor, whether it be a grandchild, whether it be somebody that you've met at work. What do you tell them after they get saved? Are there any kind of helpful instructions that a new baby Christian needs to know? And they, maybe they'll ask the questions, or maybe you want to just take the initiative. But what are some of the most immediate situations or questions that may arise? What do I do next? What do I do next? Okay, what do I do next? Okay, anybody, anybody when you first got saved, what was one of the most immediate challenges that you had? Anybody? What's that? Okay, finding a church was very important. Okay, that's important, and I hope you would have one that you could recommend. Um, what else? What about them and their walk with the Lord? Anything come up? Okay, good, good answer, good questions. Okay, not only a church, but they should get a Bible. You're going to give them some information about the Bible. Explain the Bible. Help them to at least get a concept of it. Anything else that they might run into? Baby Christian. Brand new. Yes, ma'am. Okay. Okay, good, good, good. Okay, good. The idea is that they shouldn't be, be content with being spoon-fed, but try to grow and nurture. That gets us back to the Bible, gets us back to study. How about this one? Okay, being a baby Christian. Okay, how about letting them know that they're going to be attacked by an enemy? Okay, so that they're not caught off guard. Do we get attacked when we're believers? Okay, how quickly? Okay, okay, did this happen to you? This happened to me. So, so I think this is normal, but it could be very abnormal. Is I get saved on whatever day of the night it was, and I'm a teenager, I pray to get saved. The world is, you know, the world is a much better place. It's greener, the birds are singing better, you know, the sky is bluer, and I'm on a high. That next day, I still remember this. I'm on a real high, just like, wow. And actually, the grass wasn't any greener and the sky wasn't any bluer, but I was just in this euphoric sense. And then I was working in the gas station, and I cracked my knuckles on a wrench. And when I cracked my knuckles, I skinned the knuckles because I was working in somebody's water pump, and I immediately reverted back to the response that I had normally. Okay, My normal response was to cuss. And to use the Lord's name in vain. Because that's just the way we were. Soon as I used the Lord's name in vain, it was different. It was immediately, there was a sense that was drastically different. And I, and I remember it. It was like somebody punched me in the stomach different. You know, like I lost the air. And my first thought was, am I still saved? How could I have gotten saved and do this? Okay, the enemy attacks. What do you want to tell that baby Christian? You can't lose your salvation. You got to tell them that, you know what? The chances are you're you're saved from the penalty of sin, but the problem is we still sin. We haven't been saved from the... Power and presence. Let's put the presence. Okay, power is is there doctrinally and positionally. So we're not saved from the presence of sin. And so what happens is we're still going to be tempted. And not, not only will we be tempted, we probably will. We're going to fail. We're going to fall into temptation. And then what? And then what happens? 
Do, they, do I have to get saved all over again? Do I have to... What do I do? These are some of those questions, okay? It doesn't mean that we're never going to sin again, okay, that we're a Christian. If you commit a sin, you do not lose your salvation. But that is a battle for a lot of people. Nor do you need to get saved each time. You know that song, you must be born again and again and again and again and again. Is that true? Okay, it doesn't. That's not the way song goes, but the way some sing it. Okay, then the, the idea is I needed to know, and somebody needed, and they didn't. Okay, this was some of my battle, is that nobody explained to me that as a Christian, I have a relationship that cannot be broken now that I'm born again, but I can break the fellowship with God by sinning against him. And what I needed to do was 1 John chapter 1, verse 9. What is it? Okay. You ask for forgiveness. God is faithful and just to forgive us if we confess. Okay, he is faithful and just to forgive us. This is a critical point. And this is something that sometimes we don't do well. We don't give that assurance. And then what, what could be the attitude? It could be it didn't work. Okay, and it's a battle. So for many, this becomes a battle and the doubts can be paralyzing. Here, did, uh, let me ask you this. I want to just, just by raising hands. Okay, how many of you doubted whether you got saved. Once you got saved, you went through some periods of doubts or times of doubts. Besides me, anybody else? Oh, a lot of us. Oh, then I am in good company. Maybe I am normal. Okay. Why? What triggered those doubts for you? What was it that caused you to doubt? Anybody? Go ahead. I didn't understand that sanctification is a process. Okay. You didn't understand sanctification. The growth is a process. Anybody else? Do you remember why you doubted? This might be helpful to the rest of us in teaching and instructing, so please don't, don't be shy. Anybody? Yes, sir. Uh, I'm living in sin, and I figured I wouldn't be doing that if I was saved. Okay. You had some Bible training before you got saved, yes? You were exposed to some? I was saved at a young age. Yeah, okay. And then you got away from the Lord, okay? Yes. Um, so your battle was the way you were living? Yeah. Okay. Did, did some of you, maybe we're, I'm beginning too personal. Did everything change, everything change immediately? Did some of you, did, was there some hanging ons of some things? Yes, no? Yes. Okay, did that cause you doubts? Okay. I'll tell you what threw me for doubts. Okay is I would hear preachers say these things that you need to remember. By, by the way, do our kids have doubts? Any of your teenagers, kids? Sure. Why might they, if they grew up in a Christian home? Well, I mean, why do some of the kids get up here and say, I, I, as a child, I made a profession, but I wasn't sure. Why, do, when they're teenagers, do they look back and say, I'm not sure? Yeah. They don't have that great change. Okay, the the you know things I used to do don't do them anymore. The things I used to do don't do them anymore. Things I used to do don't do them anymore. There's been a great change since I've. What great change is there in a four-year-old? You know, okay, they gave up the drug addiction. Okay, that doesn't happen. And so the but they hear those stories. And not only, not only is it, I think, you had the struggle with, wasn't uh, just that there isn't that, that drastic change, but there could be they don't remember. 
Does that ever happen that you forget things? <laughs> Am I talking to the, I'm talking to the wrong crowd, aren't I? Okay. You're, you forgot you know, something just this morning. Could some people... Well, let me throw this out. Do, do some of you not remember what you prayed? Anybody here? I don't remember the words I prayed, and that caused me some, some issues. Did that, did that hurt some people? Yeah, that for me, I, I couldn't. And then I heard preachers say, well, when you got saved, this happened, this happened, this happened, this happened, this happened. And if you didn't understand, and I'm going, I didn't. I didn't understand anything. All I knew was I was headed for hell and I needed a savior. That was all I knew. Okay. Can you get saved? Go ahead. Were you going to add to that? We were in a church where it was taught. So we, what was taught? Uh, you can lose your salvation. So oh, we, you could. Okay. So basically we were going up at the altar call all, every Sunday, every whenever it was. Did you get saved lots of times then? Yeah. Did one of them finally stick? <laughs> we'll let that to God. <laughs> Okay, can we get taught? Okay, by the way, in our region, is this a, is this a predominant teaching? You can lose your salvation. It's, it's very... Okay, and so if people are exposed to certain things, can they have doubts? And, and so there's a really... It's not uncommon for doubts. Okay, and it, it does happen. And it, but if you, have the doubt, if you have the doubts, does that hinder you sharing the gospel? Okay. It did for me because I was afraid while I was going through that period of about two years of real doubts. I was afraid if I shared the gospel, though I, tr- I did with zeal, but the more I got to struggle with the doubts, then the more I was afraid to share the gospel because I thought if I share the gospel with Larry, he's going to ask me a question. Do you know for sure you're going to heaven? And I would say, I hope so. But I'm telling him, here's what the Bible says. And so I didn't want to be in that hypocritical state. And so in that paranoia, I didn't want to to share the gospel. And so there were some battles. For me, it was battles that, you you know, just the way it was explained. Have you ever heard somebody say, if you don't remember the time and the place, you're not saved? You never heard that? Okay, you won't hear it here either. Okay. Um... Could somebody be saved and not remember the time and the place, but be genuinely saved? Okay, okay. It, it, it's a truism. Could somebody be genuinely saved, but they don't remember what they prayed? Yes, yes. Could somebody be genuinely saved, but they don't remember what they knew and what they didn't know as far as all the, of everything that happened? By the way, you do know that when you got saved, you were adopted, you were justified, Okay, you know those terms. You know what they mean. Could somebody get saved and not know what those terms are? Yeah, yeah, okay. And so it, it's a really, it's a challenge. And so what happens here is what you and I need to do is we need to help in the individual to understand this doctrine. It's not a term in Scripture, but it, neither is Trinity. But it's a doctrine that's taught. The rapture, the term isn't in Scripture, but it's a doctrine that is taught. Eternal security is a doctrine that is taught in Scripture. Okay, but it's not a term that comes out of the Bible. We need to understand this. Now, before you can help somebody to, to, to get through that assurance, you've got to have that confidence. You've got to know. And in our area, this is particularly important. Like Kevin said, there's, re, there's churches in our area that teach you can lose your salvation. 
We've had people come here from those churches and they've been taught all their life, you can lose your salvation if you, if you, and, and what a, what a, seriously, seriously, think this through. What a scary way to live your life. Constant, constant fear, did I cross the line and just get unsaved? Okay, and you said you kept on going forward multiple times. And what always throws me is the people who keep on going forward multiple times are the most sensitive. It's the other ones that sometimes don't go forward that we should be most concerned about whether they truly were saved. And so this is a real, real, real important doctrine that we study. When we mean eternal security, what what do you mean when you use that term? I'm using the term. Try to figure out what I mean. What does that mean? If you hear the term eternal security, what's it mean? Okay, you're going to go to heaven with God? You're saved forever? Once a child, always a child? Any other, any other phrases? You're, you're quoting right, right from John chapter 10. Okay, which we're going to get to. We won't get to it today, I'm sure. Okay, this whole idea, eternal security, is this idea you cannot lose your salvation. That once saved... Always saved, okay? That whole idea that the Bible teaches that salvation, God does not take it back. It is an irrevocable gift that he gives to you. Okay, and so this is a, this is a critic. I don't, I don't mean to be stupid about this or silly about this or inane about this, but if we believe that you could die and go to hell, I'm, yeah, that if you were God saved and you could uh, go out, sin against God, and then die and go to hell, the best thing we could do for you once you came forward, Kevin, and prayed and got saved was make sure you're secure by taking your life, okay, to make sure he goes to heaven now, okay? Oh, and then that, okay, yeah, and if you take your life, oh, by the way, can doubts like this cause somebody suicidal thoughts? Yeah, yeah. But there, there's so much here that, that just needs to be broken open, and we're not going to do it. We're not going to be able to go through it all in the period of time. This, again, is we just want to do a, you know, a review and some understanding next time around for those of you who can go in deeper with this. But let's talk about eternal security, and let's follow. Now, we all know that we put locks on things. Why? Why do you put locks? Keep, Keep people out. Keep bad out. Keep bad out. Yeah, go ahead. Okay, I'm sorry. So you feel secure in your house. I mean, have you ever done this where you, you wake up in the morning and go and say, oh, I forgot to lock the doors. Okay. Or this happened to me when you were away with your mother here a couple weeks ago. Um, I thought I heard a noise in the house. This is me. I hear noises all the time. Okay. The other night here, I'm at church working late uh, last week. And, and it's, you know, quite late. And I thought I heard somebody running down the hallway. You know, out in the foyer. So I did the, the common sense thing. I locked my office door and stayed inside and prayed, you know, you know, and then I yelled, if you want it, take it and leave. You know, <laughs> if you come in the building and I'm here late at night, just leave me alone. Okay. Um, so I'm in my house and I hear a noise. I get up and I'm thinking, okay, I'm going to... Horror movies always, they are so stupid. People hear noise and what do they do? They always go towards it, 
right? Like, you're an idiot. So I'm up, I heard a noise, I'm going towards it, okay? And I, while I'm going towards, walking around the house, and I'm thinking, okay, okay, is there any noise? I'll just go by the front door and make sure everything looks secure. And neither of the locks were on. Now I got really insecure, and I thought, I wish Deb were here so that she could check out the rest of the house. Yeah. So we put security on things so that we feel secure. We put it to protect. I mean, you put the guards up for the kids to be kept from danger. And so we secure things. The greater the value, the greater the security. Yes? Is that a general truth? Okay, we're going to put bigger locks on the door. We're going to put better security for the baby's sake. Or we're going to do whatever, okay, uh, the, the, based on the item. In fact, I didn't realize this. Do you realize that they have an entire seed vault? So when the world is destroyed, that they can replant the entire world. And there's this vault that wants to keep the future of mankind. And it's, it's very, very secure for all the plants to be regrown after we destroy planet Earth uh, type of idea. So here's the question. Is how, good are we, how good are we at keeping things secure? We're not. <laughs> okay, how good is... How good how, how secure are your things? There's a couple different answers that we can just throw up here. Okay. Our security is only as good as the system we're using. Okay. Maybe you don't have a security system. Maybe your security system is a dog. Maybe your security system is the sign that says, beware of dog, and you don't have a dog. Okay. Maybe your security system is protected by ATT, and you're not, but you have the sign up there. Okay, or maybe you have, you know, the security system that if they touch your house, they're going to get electrocuted. Okay, you've got something really scary. Your system is as, you're, you're secure as your system is, or your passwords, your stuff is only as secure as the person trying, how skilled is the person breaking in? Okay, you, so are there some people that are really good at breaking into things? Yeah, so don't raise your hand and say you're the one, okay? But, but the, that, so when we talk about spiritual security, we have to go back to these thoughts. How good is the security system that God provides me? Okay, how good is the person keeping me secure? That's a big question, okay? And is the person keeping me secure, I'm, I'm going to throw it out, bigger, better than Satan, do you follow what I'm saying? Okay. Because Satan wants to make me unsecure. He wants to take me out of, you, you quoted John 10, out of God's hands. Okay. If it is up to me to keep me safe and secure, what's my chances against Satan? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fail. I'm going to fail. Okay. If it's up to our church keeping sure that one of us is saved. Is it going to work? Our security system is no good. So if you're talking with an individual and you're saying, okay, um, here's what I want you to understand is God has a security system to keep you saved. It's going to be explained in the Bible. And in the Bible, it's going to give us a lot of information. Now, there's two questions we've got to answer or ask and answer. And one question is really, really, really important, okay, that, that goes with this. How do I know I really got saved in the first place? This is important because some people should ask this question. How do I know I'm saved? And they say, well, I don't remember. 
Okay? I, I, it happened so many years ago. I was just four years old, and I don't remember what happened, but my parents tell me. Well, the person should seriously ask the question, how do I know I'm saved in the first place? Because mom and dad told me? Uh-oh. Could mom and dad have been wrong? Could I, as a four-year-old, I didn't really understand? Uh, those are big. So one of the things that, you, that is important, if you're talking with somebody who's struggling, somebody comes after the service and says to you, um, I, I need to know, I need to know. Tonight, tonight I'm going to preach on this. Te- go through the Bible and give you five questions based on Scripture of a test, how do you know if you're saved? And we're going to show you from the Bible those tests that are, that are mentioned in Scripture that are very clear. You know that you know the Father if da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. Okay, and so after the service tonight, if somebody says to you, one of the teens say, hey, Mom, hey, Dad, or, you know, Grandma, Grandpa, they say, you know, um, I'm not sure. You've got to know those five. In fact, tonight, if you don't mark them down and take notes, you should write them in the flyleaf of your Bible so that you have them there at all times, that if somebody's asking, you can say, according to this verse, this verse, this verse, this verse, and have those five indicators of if salvation is true. And so the idea of the Scriptures challenges, we'll pick up tonight with this, that we're supposed to give diligence to make sure that we are really knowing that we're born again. Got to be confident that, that, yes, I did pray and I did ask Christ to be my Savior. So again, we'll talk about it tonight. We'll do a Bible test, and that'll be our study this evening that, that I hope will help you. The second question where we want to go with it with this lesson, and by the way, in the book they don't do those five tests in the material you have in front of you. So this would be in addition to the Sunday School booklet that you're working with, the Foundations book. That'll be in addition tonight. But the second question, if a person truly is saved, can they lose their salvation? And this is going to be said by some churches, the answer is going to be, yes, they can. Some other churches like ours are going to say, no, once saved, always saved. Okay, and why do we believe that? Why is that? And by the way, the the attacks on us are, by saying that, we're telling people they can live any old way they want. That's the claim. That's what's been preached about our church across town is that we're encouraging people to just come and make a profession and they can go and do anything they want. Have we said that? And we don't. Because if we're saved, we're supposed to live a righteous life. You used the term before, sanctification. Okay, If we're saved, we will not love sin. If we've been saved, we are a new creation. Okay, there's going to be this change that will take place internally. Okay, so we really got saved. How do I know? Let's give, let's just, you're sitting down with the person, you've got your book, you're working through, and one of the first points they're going to point out is this. Those who, uh, who were, those saved were and still are saved. The verbiage that is used in Ephesians chapter 2, where it says, for by grace are you saved. It's a present tense verb. It has the idea that you, you uh, you, you prayed, I prayed when I was 16. I am several years beyond that. Okay. And I, but yet, according to this verse, for by grace, am I, are I, okay, would be the plural, saved through faith, that out of yourselves is a gift of God. Let's take that a little bit further. In Galatians chapter 3, it says, received ye the spirit of the works of the law or by the hearing of faith. Okay. Did you, which one brought you the spirit? The law or responding in faith? Okay, 
He's talking to Jews and Gentiles. And he's, the answer is, they did not get the Holy Spirit by the law, but they got the Holy Spirit by faith. Okay. Are you so foolish then, having begun in the Spirit, are you now made complete, mature? Are you sanctified by the flesh? Oh, what's the answer to the second part? No, we're not. So we look at it and we say, okay, how did your life begin with God? You had faith. God did a work in you. You didn't receive the Spirit by you snatching it. By the way, you received the Spirit as a passive verb. It's the idea somebody gave you the Spirit. Who gave you the Holy Spirit? God did. Okay. And so God was doing a work in you. God produced the salvation. If God produced the salvation by grace, then God is going to keep you by grace. Okay? It's not works. Well, you receive the Holy Spirit. How do you continue to grow in this life? By the grace of God, by the gift of the Spirit, by the work of God. Let's go a little bit further. Okay? We make the comment that salvation past, present, and future. By the way, salvation past is the moment you got saved. Salvation present is, I'm going to use, let me use the more theological terms. Past is the moment of salvation. Present is the ongoing sanctification. The future salvation that is talked about in Scripture is the glorification. when we die and go to heaven. Salvation saves you from what of sin? Begins with a P. Penalty of sin. Sanctification is you're growing and overcoming the P of sin. The power of sin. Sanctification, uh, glorification is you will be removed from the presence of sin.
That means we won't even be tempted. Yes. That'll be the best, one of the best parts of heaven is no more temptation, no more of the ugly thoughts that make you get sick and tired of yourself. It's all going to be gone. And so this is all a work of God. How did, Cal, did uh, Knox put... Uh, not John. Um, John Knox. Um, Newton, thank you. Tis grace that brought me safe thus far, and grace will even... That's a phrase. When we sing it this morning, keep it in mind. Keep it in mind that we became saved by a work, by Christ's work, not our own, okay? That we remain saved, not by us. In fact, when we got saved, we entered into a family relationship. I think you said, you, somebody here just remo- said a few minutes ago, the idea of entering into a family. Let's look at John 1. Okay, John 1. You have it in your Bibles. I'm going to put it up for just a second and then take it away. But you have it in your Bibles, so follow along in your Bible. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of blood, nor the will of flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. Now, this is in the beginning of the gospel. The gospel writer has already said the word was in the beginning and the word was with God and the word was God, talking about Jesus Christ and how the word came and he became a man. And he came unto his own, but his own did not. Okay, and he's talking in this text of what Jesus was teaching, what Jesus was doing. So we need to look at it. What do these verses, let's, let's do this real broad. Okay, any, any, any thoughts? Okay, what does this, do these verses teach you about salvation? Do, do some thinking here for a moment. What privilege or right did Christ give to you? Let's talk about salvation first of all. What do you see in this verse that it teaches us about salvation? What's that? It's God's doing. Good phrase. Anything else? It's in Christ. Good phrase. Anything else? We must receive it. Good idea. Great. Keep it going. What else? What else is in there? What? What's, what do you, as many as. As many as. It is open to. Okay, good. Great. Excellent. Keep it going. It's only through the name of Christ, okay? Okay? What else? What? It's a gift. Excellent. Excellent. The idea of to them gave, okay? That gift idea. Anything else? It's nothing of us. Great. You guys are good. Anything else? What's that? Gave us power. Okay, great. Great. Uh, yes, sir, Don? Works is, it's not a factor in this. Oh, by the way, by the way, just to throw it out, pray for them, okay? Uh, as Becky has more tests going on before a special treatment that could be done for her cancer, you meet Thursday? Okay. Okay. So pray for them and pray. They had had this past couple weeks, they have had several opportunities to start sharing their faith with different people that they're engaging through this medical process. So pray for them, especially Becky wants to return to see the one gal that she had opportunity to give some materials to. And so pray that the Lord would use that. So let's, let's remember to pray for the bishops, if you would, uh, as they go through. And Dan Brandt also has that surgery coming up. When stands? The 2nd? December. December it is. Okay. So we want to pray for his surgery. Okay. You've said several things that are excellent. Let me just... Not all men are automatically children of God. Okay, do a lot of people say, 
we're all children of God. Okay, according to this verse, that's not true. Okay, because the verse says, to them gave he power to become. Okay, so in other words, prior to the becoming, we are not God's child. Are we God's creation? Okay, by the way, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to do it today, but there's two different words in the Bible that talk about a son of God. There's, you know, there's um, a techna and there's a huias. Okay, and the one is a general term. Okay, how is it generally speaking we are all God's children in a very general broad way? Creation, made in the... Okay, so we're, we're God's product. But are we related to God? Okay, that's the different word. We'll explain because it comes with, there's a Bible concept that, do you remember what, what word it, that it's talked about where you can be born in a family, but you're really not a real member of the family until this happens to you? Adoption. Okay, and he uses that. We need to talk about that because that's important. When we talk in this verse, this verse says, yes, everybody's a part of creation, but they don't have that intimate relationship with God until they become born. Okay, okay, so um, salvation is the work of God. You said that. You said this. It's not by man's efforts. Uh, it's a spiritual birth, not a physical one. I think somebody here alluded to that. It's through Christ, believe in his name. It's available to any and all, as many as. We said that it's not automatic to everyone. Okay, they have to believe. Okay, we alluded to that. It requires a response. Okay, it's a work of God, but we have to respond. Um, salvation results in having an intimate relationship with God. When we believe, we become God's intimate family member where all of a sudden we have that relationship with God and then we have a, lot, a big family. Jesus answered and said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a man be born again, he cannot see. Now, he said this twice in this text, okay? That he talks about being born again. Who's he talking to? Nicodemus, who was... Okay, was he a religious guy? Yeah, very much so. He seems to be, remember in the, in, the, in the Jewish setup, they had one master teacher. And it seems that he was the head teacher by the words that are given to him in this text. Jesus, why did, think this through for just a second. Why did Jesus use the analogy of physical birth to picture the spiritual relationship with God? Why? What's that? Well, it's new, but why did he use that picture? Okay. Okay, so what would they understand? What would be the parallels? Let me rephrase this. The parallels between a physical birth and a spiritual birth. What's that? It happens once, okay? That's, that's a very important parallel, okay? Any other parallels? Yeah, that, and that's the whole point. Nicodemus, that it's a one-time thing. Nicodemus responds, how can a person go back and be born? And Jesus is very clearly saying it's a one-time act. You start out small okay, there's going to be growth. That starts with the, with the birth process itself. Do you see any other parallels between the, the birth of a child, the initial birth, and the spiritual birth? Not only is it a one-time act. Go ahead, Don, anything? Child from darkness to light. I didn't even think about that parallel, but it's there. Yeah. 
Yeah, and that's the parallels. Can I suggest a couple of them for you? What does the child do in the laboring? Some of you ladies are like, nothing. <laughs> is, the child the, is the child responsible for producing the birth? Does the child labor? And we could talk all about the different analogies of, you know, you know the, the child is the recipient of whose labor? Moms, okay, the parents' labor, okay? <laughs> is, the, is it a long, 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 long process? <laughs> Like years. Okay. There's, is, it a, is it recorded and understood to be a, uh, a one moment in history type idea? One moment in history. Okay. It's not, so when people say, well, I have always believed and I came to this after many, many, many years I finally got birthed. And it's like, your mom would not want to have you say that. Okay. The parallel is there needs to be a one-time event in your history. Now, you may not remember it, but there needs to be a one-time event in your history. That's, the, that's a parallel of the birth. Okay? It's done by the parent who's going to do all the, the, the labor and the, the suffering. And then the result is the child has an intimate relationship with the parent. You grab that baby and you go, ah, Right? Yeah, and it's great, and you say, this was so cool, let's do it again, Deb. <laughs> and that's when she hits you, okay? And they, you know, you know, if, and this is me, now, probably, again, I'm abnormal. I had no clue that with the first one, I had no clue what the emotions would be like, and I wasn't prepared for them. When that first one came, besides looking and saying, who said they're cute when they're born? <laughs> okay. But after they're cleaned up and stuff, it was like, wow. Awesome. Wow. I had no clue what love was like. We loved each other, but that parent-child love, is it unique? Is it overwhelming? And it's like, wowzy. Okay, so you got the parallels that are here that are very, very important in this concept that Jesus is doing, that it produces a spiritual relationship. So we look at that, and now we've entered into relationship. And by the way, are there cases that parenting isn't permanent? Oh, we know that. We know that those are the rare cases. But normally, how long is the parent-child relationship? Until death do us part. Okay, it's, it's a lifetime. Does it change? Does it stop? Not, not change. It changes. Does it stop when your kid goes to kindergarten? Does it change? Yeah. Okay. Does it change when they get their driver's license? Oh, it changes. Does it stop? They think so. <laughs> okay. Are you no longer the parent once they graduate from high school? I didn't say, are you doing parenting? I asked, are you still the parent? Okay. They get married. You're still the parent. Okay, now your role and your reaction and your, your parenting changes, but does the relationship continue? Yes. yes. And as such, okay, let's throw this out to some of you who are more experienced. So once they get up and go out of the home, you no longer care. 
there's no longer heartbreak. You're no longer concerned. You no longer go to bed wondering what in the world did we do. Now, how long does that last? That, that's going to be your lifetime. Okay, so the parent-child relationship is critical. And if we want to chart it, and they have this in the book, they, they just did this like a big chart. They're saying, okay, here is something that is all-encompassing. In, all okay, it's the blue box that would cover everything. That's your relationship with God. That doesn't change. That is, it's permanent. It's unbreakable. You're within that frame of that relationship with him. But your fellowship... Okay, it changes. It's dependent you know, upon obedience, just like you and your kids. Sometimes you're closer, sometimes you're not. It's breakable. And so I'm always, you know, in that situation when my kids are, when they were in my home, I'm the parent. I'm the parent. And so I, the relationship was there. They're my kid. They're, I'm, I have a relationship. I have a responsibility. They have a responsibility. It's there. But our fellowship could vary. Usually the fellowship varied based upon what they did, not what I did, normally. Okay, and I was responding to them. But our fellowship could be hindered, our interaction could be hindered, or, you know, whether I gave them the keys to the car at times, or did or did not, that could change. That was fellowship. But the relationship was permanent, and it remains permanent. And they still are my my child. Oh, yeah, yeah, I know. You can say, well, there are cases where parents can you know, divorce from their kids. And again, those are very, very, very rare. We're talking in generalities here. You have a relationship with God, a permanent relationship. And uh, you know what's an interesting thought one of our staff brought up? We are so big in our society on celebrating birthdays. We have people come up, we give them their thing. We're going to do birthday parties and different things. Did you ever do birthday parties for their spiritual birthday? As a parent, as a grandparent. I wonder... If we didn't, if we started that, if that would help impress upon the kids that this spiritual birthday is really, really a big deal. Yes, no? Yeah, because it's a significant moment in their life. And actually, which birthday really is going to be the more significant birthday for all eternity? The spiritual one. But we are so oriented that we celebrate the physical Maybe food for thought. That maybe what we should do is start acknowledging and start celebrating, or if, if they know of a time that they did, and, and observe that time of the year to help them to understand this is something very, very, very special. Uh, food for thought. How can we be sure that our salvation, and we didn't lose it, we would say, okay, we have to start with, by grace you're saved. Okay, if it's, if it's a work of grace, it's not of me. Keeping me saved is not of me. It's, uh, I enter into an unbroken relationship with God, a family relationship. Their phrase, in Christ. You are in Christ. This is going to deal with the, um, uh, how do I want to put this? This is the legalities. This is your citizenship, okay? This is what is your spiritual right given to you by God Almighty. Your, your constitutional right given to you by God. God, when he saved you, gave you some citizen rights, constitutional rights. It all begins and stays, has to do with being in Christ. Once we are in Christ, then what comes to us? There is a whole series of conversation that the Bible talks about. And Paul, more than anybody else, develops this thought that I am positionally in Christ and it doesn't make any difference how I feel, what I think. 
The facts are I'm in Christ. Let's talk about that next week. Okay, thanks for all your input. Yeah, wake that person up. Let's get ready to celebrate communion this morning with a spirit of praise. Okay, thanks.